Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur and with me as always, J.B. Scott for our midweek podcast chat to look ahead and behind the Los Angeles Rams schedule. But I got to be honest, folks, I don't really feel as invested as we did in the beginning of the season. And when we thought that the the hopes of course were to get at least to get back to the playoffs. And that's definitely not going to be the case for the Los Angeles Rams at three and eight. So just trying to keep things interesting, you know, what to talk about when the games don't carry as much meaning. And I think every team should always try to win every game it's just the right thing to do. And it's also what the players need to do, you know, that'll be out there. Uh, That's why you see those teams that, you know, could have had the number one pick and then they, they won their last game and they're very excited about it. Everybody's nobody out there is thinking about the draft. And uh, that would be the case, even if the Rams had their first round pick, but the Rams don't have a first round pick. So, you know, for the Rams, the consequences, the only consequence here is, you know, respect. And so this week against the Seahawks, certainly respect has always been on the line in this NFC West matchup. Did not expect this to be, you know, where the Rams can play the part of spoiler. But Matthew Stafford has been ruled out. Aaron Donald has been ruled out. We know that Cooper Cup is not playing. We know that the offensive line is in limbo. So JB, I mean, The Seahawks, they've lost back-to-back games to teams that have losing records. Could the Rams make it three in a row? I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, certainly, especially when you watch this offense and they can't really get anything going. Uh, Three net passing yards in the first half against Kansas City. That uh, is not going to get the job done at all, really. But And the Seahawks, you know, they look good maybe in the beginning of the year with Geno Smith, and maybe he's fallen off a little bit late, so – uh, you know, this kind of seems like a 50-50 shot, but I wouldn't trust this Rams offense with anything really uh, as good as the defense has been. You're now you're missing Aaron Donald. Who knows when they're going to shut Jalen Ramsey or Bobby Wagner down? They're probably the next ones to go. Um, so, yeah, who knows what's going to happen in Los Angeles this week against Seattle? Yeah, the uh, Seahawks. You know, they, they've been on a slide. They were six and three. And then, like I said, they've lost to the Bucks and the Raiders. And they lost to the Raiders, giving up a bunch of rushing yards to Josh Jacobs. But, you know, I wrote about B. John Robinson today, the Texas running back, definitely considered to be the number one running back in the 2023 draft class. And with less need and with these rumors about Christian McCaffrey, you would think that running back could be an option. And to be honest, I haven't, I can't off the top of my head say that I know a lot about the 2023 running back class uh, outside of Bijan Robinson. There'd probably be a, a couple names if I was reminded of them, Chase something from Illinois. But I think that overall, uh, the point being, 
Rams don't have Josh Jacobs. So, uh, JB, do you feel maybe hopeful because the Seahawks run defense could be one of the worst in the NFL. We saw the, uh, the Bucks get a bunch of rushing yards against them when the Bucks they don't know how to run the football. So, uh, do you think there's any hope here for Cam Akers, Kyron Williams? Yeah, I mean, they look like they complement each other well. And, you know, Akers didn't play much against Kansas City, but – uh, you know, the week before against New Orleans, they were really kind of a one-two combo, and it was cool to see, right? And, you know, Willings is a high-volume pass catcher, kind of a shifty back. He's going to be really important on third down. Held up well in pass protection against Kansas City. You know, got the credit for getting that block on the blitzing safety in order to buy Perkins time to hit Van Jefferson in the end zone for the touchdown. So that's good to see. Akers looked by the best he had against the Chiefs last week. He had that 15-yard run to start the game. It really bounced it outside and showed some dynamic uh, ability and some speed on the edge. So uh, I think this is as good as the Rams running game has looked all season. I don't think it's any coincidence that it's happening when Bryce Perkins is, you know, he's a running quarterback. He can open up things in the traditional run game. Uh, I think those things kind of coincide a little bit, even though, you know, if you look at the beginning of the Saints game, the traditional run game was working just as well as it had all year. So uh, I think just the running quarterback really elevated it that much more. So you, you named Bijan Robinson. I think that'd be so exciting as a Rams fan that you haven't really replaced your running back position whenever you lost Todd Gurley. Just have that bell cow back. I know that, you know, Sean McVay is kind of, he seems to prefer this committee approach. And that's what the Rams like to go into this year. Not signing Sonny Michelle, having Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, Kyron Williams. But that absolutely, that plan fell apart so quickly that, you know, if you can find this running back, and I know there's a huge crowd that says the running backs don't matter anymore, but if you look around the NFL and you see the resurgence of Saquon Barkley, you know, you mentioned Jacobs in Las Vegas, running backs, they might actually matter now, and they can really lift offenses whenever, you know, defenses are prioritizing taking away those big plays. Uh, A steady running back and a dangerous running back that can grind out yards between the tackles just takes so much pressure off your quarterback and uh, forces defenses to, you know, be fine letting you have five yards of pop. But as an offense, you have to be willing to take that. And having a strong running game allows you to do that. Yeah, you mentioned the resurgence of running backs. And I think a lot of that is based out of, you know, defenses have overprepared to stop the pass and to rush the passer and underprepared to stop the run. And, you know, the Seahawks have been undergoing some schematic changes on defense, fired their defensive coordinator, Ken Norton Jr. after last season and uh, promoted Clint Hurt. Uh, and they were trying to run some more Vic Fangio style 3-4 defense this season, um, had a bunch of, have a bunch of assistant coaches who have worked for Fangio, including uh, Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator of the Bears last season, now an assistant on the Seahawks and uh, an assistant on that defense. So, uh, but the the Seahawks cannot stop the run. They can't tackle very weak um, in that area of tackling. I don't know what analytics out there talks about tackling but i'm sure the seahawks would be pretty low in that number very soft on the defensive line and you know there's just it's just a bad defense but the rams you know they may uh be able to find a way not to move the ball just because of how bad the offense has been with the offensive line and then the losses at receiver i don't know how much Allen robinson would have helped but certainly um you would take him at this point. So that is going to be an interesting matchup um, because it's sort of, you know, the movable wall and 
the statue. So which one is going to win that race? Um, you mentioned running backs. Yeah, it's like Josh Jacobs. He was a first round pick. He uh, was the first running back in his class, of course. Derrick Henry, second round pick. And I think if Derrick Henry played in another era, his whole resume and the Heisman Trophy and everything, you know, even though he's a tall guy for a running back, I think he in a different era is a top 15 pick. Nick Chubb, early second round pick. Saquon Barkley, number two pick. Miles Sanders, second round pick. Dalvin Cook, second round pick. Jonathan Taylor, second round pick. So for the Rams, you know, this was a team that supposedly wanted Christian McCaffrey. Um, So whether it is Bijan Robinson or someone else, it may not be the need that people would expect. Uh, But JB, if you're thinking about it in terms of just, do you really have to draft for need? What are your thoughts there? Because I don't know that any team should ever go, well, this is what our problem is now. Let's get a rookie to come in here and solve it. It's it's and the Rams always think this way, which is this is what our problem is going to be two to three years down the line. Um, and I think a running back, if you're going to get one that is as good as Bijan Robinson and he starts slipping down the board, you know, you're talking about maybe adding the best all-around player in the draft. Thoughts on uh, you know, the Rams trying to draft to plug their needs or to just get the best player. Yeah, I know people aren't the biggest fans of taking running backs with these premium picks, but if you're going to do it, you got to get the right guy. And three years ago, you drafted Cam Akers in the second round. He was supposed to be that guy. And now, you know, he's he's was almost moved off the team during the trade deadline. Who knows what his status will be this offseason? Maybe the team, you know, he has kind of this bounce back second half of the year. Uh, maybe teams are more interested in him uh, down the stretch or in the offseason. So something to keep an eye on. But you know, Daryl Henderson was a third round pick. That's a pretty high pick for running back too. And, you know, Kyrie Williams in the fifth round. Those are, those are pretty premium uh, investments in the position, but if you're going to find a guy, you got to get this workhorse. Uh, you got to find a do it all type guy, uh, back. And, you know, I think we're seeing the value of that in the NFL this year. Yeah. I mean, I think in the third round, it's, it's a bit more, are you trying to get lucky? Uh, you know, I think maybe that's more of a 50 because you got Damian Pierce, obviously this year has been, uh, one of the best all around rookies in the NFL. And he was a third round pick. Although I know a lot of people were like, oh yeah, uh, Damian Pierce should be, you know, the top ranked or one of the top ranked running backs in this class. Um, and Daryl Henderson certainly uh, could have been qualified that way too, coming out of Memphis, certainly. I mean, not a big gap between him and Miles Sanders, I guess, in the draft. Yeah, it's very close. So um, they did do that and then they did it again with Cam Akers and we've seen uh, Isaiah Pede and we've seen so many less need running back picks that has just not been good. And I don't know, JB, like who is going to be calling the shots here in the draft um, next time. And I don't know when the Rams are going to want to pick. I don't put it past the Rams who, you know, traded up for Jared Goff and and then traded all these first round picks. I wouldn't put it past less need to say, I'm going to pick on day one again. And we're right here at 34 or whatever we can go to 17. We can trade our future first round pick. And that seems of the if they were to do that, JB, what would you want? Because a lot of, I think what we're writing and what people are reading and wanting to read is stuff that starts with 2023, you know? So uh, next year, if Les Need did trade into the top 20, what kind of player would you want him to get? It's got to be an explosive playmaker. 
someone who's dynamic because the offense is completely devoid of that at this point. Even on defense, you're just missing guys who can make splash plays. Uh, Darion Kendrick is a he's got a lot of reps at corner this year when he, maybe he shouldn't have because David Long Jr. hasn't really performed up to his standard, but. Uh, he's just a, he's slow guys will run right by him and that's why he gets handsy and grabby at times but uh, at receiver you know who's made a play this season besides Cooper Cup you know Tutu Atwell when he's on the field's pretty good but Allen Robinson isn't hasn't been dynamic at all Tyler Higby uh, I mean he's reliable but he just doesn't make those splash plays and that's what you need so whoever less need picks with that first pick even if he trades up into the first round I think you just got to have some sort of dynamic skill set a game changer and I wouldn't even rule out, you know, drafting a quarterback. And whenever you talk about Liam Cohen being the offensive coordinator at Kentucky last year, someone whose draft stock seems to be kind of falling is Will Levis. And he's a big athletic passer, kind of in the same mold of a Carson Wentz. And I know that might leave a bad taste in people's mouth, but I wouldn't rule out, you know, if Levis is there and he and Sean McVay knows he fits into his offensive system, uh, taking a shot on a quarterback and a big bodied guy that you can kind of mold for the future. And I think that'd be super interesting. What do you think of that? Yeah, well, I do um, think that at my long-term relationship with Will, Will Levis, which is not as uh, close as um, Liam Cohen's relationship, mine is only as somebody who has criticized him, I guess. But my my overall thoughts have always just been, I want to see this guy who's supposedly good. You know, that like I like prospects that are playing well in addition to, you know, having the tools. Uh, especially and only when we're talking about first round picks. Now you do mention maybe his draft stock is falling. Uh, and that was when my contention with Will Levis was really with people who were like, Oh, top five, top three. And, and I'm thinking I've never seen this guy uh, go out there and have a really dominant game. And he's, he's had to transfer. He hasn't won jobs. Um, on the other hand, you know, if the Rams drafted Will Levis or some quarterback um, this year with an early draft pick. And I think that a guy like that would be a great example of someone who is like, great, come into this situation where maybe you don't play for three years, like Jordan Love or whatever, even though Will Levis is 23 or 24 already, I I think, uh, and so is Hendon Hooker. So, you know, one of these guys, it's like, yeah, maybe it'll be a while. Michael Penix out of Washington, it's something where it's like the opportunity is there. And, you know, for the Rams, they they do have to think about, is there any way to save money in the future? And, and if you're getting a quarterback who can replace Matthew Stafford in two to three years, you know, that's a way to save money. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, you're committed to Matthew Stafford through 2025, maybe. And like, he's going to be 35 for the 2023 season. And you've seen him take these hits. And I know people are saying you can't put Matthew Stafford out there the, the rest of this year because he might get another concussion and that puts his entire career in jeopardy. But who's to say that in week five next year, he doesn't get a concussion and we're having the same conversation. So it's just there's hazards with playing football. It's a dangerous sport. It's a physical contact sport. So and the Rams had to prepare themselves for the for the potential that Matthew Stafford's not going to be their quarterback at certain times. And to go into this season with John Wolford and Bryce Perkins, who we've seen aren't backup caliber quarterbacks. Uh, Bryce Perkins, maybe is a third. He's a, he's exactly what you want a third stringer. Someone who can come in and make plays with his legs, but uh, he's not really viable if he has to start multiple games. And, you know, John Wolford was woeful uh, whenever he had that opportunity against the Cardinals. So I wouldn't, I'd like to see him not on the field 
at all the rest of this season. I hope we see Perkins if all, if at all, or I'd rather even see Case Cookus over Wolford. But yeah, I mean, you, the Rams have to have an insurance policy with Stafford, and you know, even when he was healthy and on the field this year, their franchise quarterback didn't necessarily play well uh, by all measures objectively. It was his worst season since his rookie year, you know, 13, 14 years ago. So it's a bit of a concern, but also, you know, whenever you put the context around it with the supporting cast that didn't live up to its billing, this offensive line was a nightmare. Allen Robinson never really gelled with this team. Maybe you excuse him a bit, but also, you know, there were some questioning, there were some concerning mistakes that were made that you just don't expect out of a veteran who's been in the NFL a dozen plus years. I think um, also something else you mentioned there about Matthew Stafford and shutting him down. And I'm thinking to myself that you're exactly right. You know, we don't know if Matthew Stafford, you know, you sit him for the rest of the year and then he never plays again. I mean, think of all the time that Colts fans spent thinking, oh, Peyton Manning's coming back after this neck thing. And then, you know, that never happened. And then they get Andrew Luck. And then there's this all of a sudden it's like, oh, Andrew Luck has a contract and he long term goals and all this kind of stuff. And then one year it's just like, you know what? I taken too many hits. I'm done. And so you cannot count on Matthew Stafford coming back next year. That doesn't mean that you force Matthew Stafford out there. But if Matthew Stafford is healthy and wants to play, you know, there's no reason to, to do so with fear of concussion. You know, I mean, that's always a fear for every player in every game. So whenever that happens, um, you know, it's like Tua is out there and, and remember how everybody was so scared that night, like, oh, he can't play again this year. And nobody talks about it now. And that's just the way that, you know, the unfortunate consequence of football we found out. So if he's going to go out there, you know, it's the only opportunity that some of these other players have to gain experience and prove themselves and, and show whether or not they should be in the plan next year. You know, these wide receivers who are not going to you get this opportunity if you're Ben Skoranek or Tutu Atwell or Van Jefferson to be the number one for Matthew Stafford. And we're going to see this weekend against the Seahawks, probably not a lot of, you know, passes um, that go very far down the field. So, you know, I don't know how, uh, you know, you perceive it that. And I agree you can't put John Wolford out there. Um, and this is an opportunity to, to run the football. So it kind of is a good week for Bryce Perkins to be out there and to bring that to you. Do you feel like we've talked about this before, too? I mean, for the Rams in their next quarterback or whatever, you, you would like to see maybe a guy who has more mobility, right? Because, again, like another advantage to the mobility is just – buying that extra time um, by moving outside of the pocket and being able to do something outside of the pocket. It's like, you can't cover guys that long in the NFL. So uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. And watching Bryce Perkins against the chiefs this weekend, even there were several multiple third and long situations where there weren't a lot of guys open. You know, there wasn't a lot of separation from the receivers and Perkins just took off and got the first down. If Matthew Stafford was in there, I don't think you get that first down. So they can really change the dynamic in your favor. And it's such a, as a play caller for Sean McVay, that's be such a relief whenever your player just goes out there and you put him in a situation that's not a winning situation and he just makes you right. And that's got to be just such a relief and you can take a breath and you know move on to the next one and get a little creative with how you use that mobility, right? And when you look at the teams this season, they're kind of overperforming. Uh, even the Seahawks with Geno Smith, because he can extend plays. I think of Daniel Jones with the Giants. Justin Fields with the Bears, 
I, coming into the season, I thought the Bears were going to be a lock for the number one overall pick. And, you know, they've won three games, maybe slid a little bit because, you know, Fields is banged up. They lost Darnell Mooney for the season, right? But uh, they really have overperformed, in my opinion. So just look at all these quarterbacks that can move and the ones that can't. You know, the, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers are having down seasons. Matthew Stafford's having a down season. It's because they don't have that mobile element. And when their offensive lines aren't living up to their billing, uh, they aren't able to overcome that. And there's been games where Matthews have to get sacked six, seven, eight times. But whenever Perkins is back there, he was under the same amount of pressure, if not more. And he only got sacked three times against the Chiefs. So I think it's just such a boost for your team. And it allows Sean McVay to dip, dip into his bag just that much more. And yeah, I think the next franchise quarterback has to be someone who can move around a little bit. And hopefully, you know, that isn't a conversation that we have to have anytime soon after, you know, Stafford's contract extension as far as, you know, the next quarterback. The Rams, you know, they could go the quarterback route in the draft, but definitely I think getting Matthew Stafford more help, putting better players, and they have to do stuff in free agency and in trades because they can't go into the draft with needs for starters. And that's never been how McVay operated you anyway. You know, uh, sometimes you get lucky with someone like Cooper cup defensively, you know, how would you feel about the Rams uh, going out and trying to get the best safety out of this draft? Or is that just not as big of a need? Well, I just think you've seen the value of the safety position be depreciated in recent years, especially with this, Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley defense. In the same way that offenses are kind of quarterback friendly, those systems are safety friendly. And it just doesn't, it's such a low uh, potential that you can really elevate your team and elevate the defense where, you know, you're not going to give up. Your whole job is to not give up big plays, but it doesn't give you a lot of opportunities to make plays either, unless quarterbacks are just being overly aggressive and taking shots down the field when they shouldn't. So I think you're just seeing guys that are easily replaceable. And, you know, as good as Nick Scott has been at times, uh, you have to remember he's a seventh round pick and Taylor Rapp is a guy who hasn't lived up to his draft status either as a former second rounder. So, and even Jordan Fuller, who has faded this season, uh, he's came in as a sixth round pick and came to this Brandon Staley defense as immediate, an immediate contributor. So I think that the bar is just kind of low for this position and being an elite safety doesn't really give you the same payoff that it would in other defensive schemes. So I don't think the Rams should make a significant investment in safety. It doesn't seem to be their MO uh, with their team build approach either. Let me give you some free agent wide receivers next year. These are just unrestricted free agents, not necessarily guys. Uh, some of these guys will be re-signed. Some of these guys uh, will um, be at this group. will have different guys added to it because they were cut, and uh, that's another list to talk about, but just unrestricted free agents. And then I'll ask you, JB, you know, if any of these names stand out to you that would fit with the Rams, assuming, you know, we, we assume Cooper Cup's going to be back, and then you've got Allen Robinson where it's like the Rams can either just – say goodbye and move on and not save any money or see if there's any way to pull off a trade. Probably not. But assuming Allen Robinson just comes back next year, that could be a case. Uh, Nelson, Nelson Aguilar, Marvin Jones, Byron Pringle, Jacoby Myers, Alan Lazard, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jarvis Landry, Enkeel Harry, Olamide Zacchaeus, Matt Hollins, Jameson Crowder, Sammy Watkins, Rashad Perryman, Marquise Goodwin, Mecole Hardman, Paris Campbell, Rashard Higgins, Demir Bird, 
James Washington, Trent Sherfield. This list is long. Chris Conley, Philip Dorsey, and I'm skipping names, if you can believe that. But most of these names, they're not very interesting. Equinemius St. Brown, Darius Slater, DJ Chark, Julio Jones, AJ Green. So we're, we're getting a little over the hill here. Not a lot of big names, to be honest with JB. Anything stand out to you? Not necessarily. That's a tough list. And maybe on the flip side, it drives up the value of Allen Robinson if you're trying to trade him where teams that know they have a young quarterback need to upgrade and give him a good supporting cast. And you look into this free agent market and you're saying, yeah, I don't want to give this guy $15 million a year. Well, the less you should call him and say, well, I'll give you a bargain on Allen Robinson. And maybe I'll even throw you a draft pick to take on this contract because I think he's due $18 million next year. Oh, that's his cap hit and because his cap hit was minimal this season. So uh, maybe you can move on from some of these guys, but uh, I don't think the Rams necessarily need a speed threat because of that is kind of redundant with what Tutu Atwell brings to the team. And in limited action, I think Atwell's been excellent, but the Rams just seem reluctant to even give him opportunities. So it's good that he made plays this weekend against Kansas City with a different kind of route tree. He's running these short routes and you know cut across the field in a way that I thought was really interesting where the Chiefs were kind of playing contain against Perkins to keep him in the pocket. And Atwell kind of came in between the contain player to break open on like fourth and two and convert that. So uh, I think he's a good player. And I really blame Sean McVay and this offensive coaching staff for not being able to leverage him. So if anything, you need kind of a big bodied receiver like Allen Robinson, but you don't want to bring in someone who's too redundant in terms of skill set with Cooper Cup or Tutu Atwell. Yeah, you know, there are... Other considerations here with regards to maybe a trade, right? So there's uh, been a good interesting number of wide receiver trades that we saw this year because those guys were going into the last year of their rookie contracts. They wanted to be paid. Um, Or in the case of Marquise Brown, he just wanted to go to an offense that he felt he would get more opportunities in. So you had a lot of trades and this might've been a late first round pick. This might've been, you know, second round pick. And and we saw a lot of big names, names of surprise names, Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams. And so AJ Brown. So it was like, okay, wow, our eyes are open to what can be possible here. Uh, So those names next year would be uh, CD Lamb, which I'm sure the Cowboys are going to work on it. Not let that happen. Jerry Judy, who just hasn't been as explosive and big and good as uh, a lot of people thought he was. And JB, I think this is a great sign of why the Jaguars traded for Calvin Ridley uh, when they did, because it's like it would just have been trading for Calvin Ridley next year or something, because there's just not a lot of uh, as much of those names that we expect to move. You've got T Higgins who the Bengals have to decide which guys are they going to pay Michael Pittman uh, and the Colts. They they could be the type of team that moves guys, KJ Hamler, who just hasn't been healthy or or proven to be good really yet. Um, Gabe Davis, if the bills decide they can't pay Gabe Davis, maybe there's something that could happen there. Um, Curtis Samuel, I don't know if he's playing or not. Uh, Mike Evans, who would just cost a lot of money. But uh, any of those names stand out to you? Boy, it would be exciting to see T. Hickens in this offense because he's the perfect complement to Cooper Cup and maybe a speed guy like Pete Swatwell or if you have Van Jefferson who can also push the ball down the field. That would be a, a very large-bodied receiver core. Uh, but like you said, you know, the Bengals, when they have Jamar Chase and they have Tyler Boyd, you can't pay all three of these guys top dollar. So you're going to have to make some opportunity cost decisions of who you're going to retain moving forward. But 
uh, yeah, I mean, that's not a, a great receiving, you know, tradable receiving class either, but um, it's going to be interesting to see what teams do. And yeah, that Calvin Ridley move seems smart, even though, you know, he's a year removed from being, you know, a relevant player, but he's re- excellent when he is on the field, one of the best uh, top 10 receiver in the NFL, most likely. So uh, if you're going to have, if you have to make improvements at wide receiver position, if you have a young quarterback and you're trying to get over the hump, uh, you have your work cut out for you this off seasons by the looks of it. And do you feel like you you feel pretty confident moving forward with uh, AJ Jackson as the left tackle, or you know it's not just a matter of how these guys played necessarily. Do they have availability? You know, Joseph Noboom. Do do you have availability? So, um, are you confident with where things are at left tackle enough to maybe not try out and go and get one? Well, I'm a big believer that you want to be average, perfectly average on the offensive line, just because if you're going to make a premium investment, it's better spent at skill positions. And as long as you're passable in pass protection and you're getting adequate run blocking, uh, you're really better spent you know, adding those star players uh, to make those plays instead of opening up plays for someone else. So um, I think Alaric Jackson is an adequate left tackle. He's not a star left tackle. He's not Trent Williams, and he's not going to be as explosive in the screen game and downhill and downfield as Trent Williams is for the 49ers, but he's passable. He's a keeper. I think, I think I'd rather have him over Joseph Nopum, certainly. Yeah, I think that that's going to have to be a priority is just figuring out which ways that the Rams can start to protect uh, their player, uh, their quarterback, you know, and getting the right players there. So many needs and yet, you know, so few resources and, you know, there's going to be talk about whether or not the Rams could or should or would trade certain players. And do you think that if, if Jalen Ramsey wasn't on the Rams defense next season, is that too much of a loss? Uh, or is that something that the Rams, you know, could account for? Well, as good as Jalen Ramsey is, I think, I just don't like the Rams uses of a usage of him anymore. And, it's kind of the Tyreek Hill effect where the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill away, got these draft picks, and then replaced him with three uh, medium-tier receivers. And maybe if the Rams are that with Jalen Ramsey, and instead of asking him to do the job of a star player and you know do cover two people at once or you know try to be in the slot where he's going to get targeted all the time, maybe that's not necessarily what you need. You just need three players who, who are one of 11 and can do their job and use – and instead of – allocating a high dollar investment to him you spread that money out elsewhere to improve this roster overall so but I do think Jalen Ramsey's still a high level player I would just personally maybe look at using him as he was in 2020 where he was shadowing these the the opponent's best receiver shutting down the DeAndre Hopkins of the world and all of that because I think that's where he's what he's best at and I would you know probably end this experiment where you're moving it moving him into the slot and trying to get him a high volume of targets because if anything, it's just made teams not afraid of him. And I don't think that's the best way to leverage his abilities. Let's talk just about, you know, what we expect or want or should expect to transpire in the next six games, you know, because the Rams have a lot of opportunities to win regardless of being, you know, uh, injured or depleted or just bad or, or what, having a bad season for the coaches, whatever it is, the Seahawks at home. I mean, Sean McVay has dominated the Seahawks, you know, and we've talked about that defense is so bad. And 
I think that this is a possible game that the Rams could win. You've got the Raiders who are having a very embarrassing season. You've got the Packers who are having a very embarrassing season. You've got the Broncos who are having a very embarrassing season. You've got the Chargers where Brandon Staley is kind of having a bad season. And then you've got the Seahawks again. So I think, you know, there is this side of it. you got to put Matthew Stafford out there if he's able to go because JB, I feel like if the Rams go one and five or something over the last six games, what's to make me think the Rams are going to be any good next season? You know, there has to, you can't go out on an 11 game losing streak and then give any reason to think that, oh, the Rams, remember those 13 or so years where the Rams were the worst team? So, you know, what do you expect to happen, I guess, here in the next six games? Yeah, and an 11-game losing streak is entirely possible if your franchise quarterback isn't on the field. And it, you got to build that momentum heading into next year. I think that's a really good point. But if I had to pick one game that the Rams need to win the rest of the season, it has to be against the Chargers. Uh, when you're in SoFi Stadium and it's technically a home game for the Chargers, uh, like that's just a battle for Los Angeles. The Rams just won the Super Bowl. The Chargers are a perennial 500-type team. And, you know, you got to assert your dominance as, you know, you're the main tenant of the SoFi Stadium. They're just the renters that, you know, occupy on the weekends when you're out of town. So uh, the Rams, just for the purpose of respect and bragging rights, have to win that game. If they sit Matthew Stafford and rest him instead of putting him in and trying to, you know, come out with the W and maybe end the Chargers season if they're a game away from the playoff hunt or something like that, uh, I think it would just be, you know, really unsettling and really quite like a, do you just have more questions and answers heading into the offseason and what this team is hoping to accomplish and build? And uh, yeah, you got to build momentum and you got to start getting something good, something positive as you head into 2023. You know, you got me thinking about the Chargers a little bit. I mentioned Brandon Staley's season. And what do you, do you have any insight or thoughts, you know, as to why Brandon Staley was so successful in his one season with the Rams and has been so unsuccessful with the Chargers defense? The Chargers are ranked 29th in points allowed, 32nd in yards per carry allowed. Yes, they've had, they haven't had Joey Bosa for a large part of the season. They've got Derwin James. They've got Asante Samuel. They got Khalil Mack. They got Sebastian Joseph Day. You know, they 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 did lose J.C. Jackson, but that was just another uh, loss for Brandon Staley because uh, his first five games, J.C. Jackson was one of the worst corners in the NFL. So um, any thoughts there as to why Brandon Staley was successful and with a seemingly talented roster is not? Well, I think, you know, when he was with the Rams in 2020, this defensive concept was still fairly new. And now almost every team in the NFL is running some sort of version of it. And, you know, teams have the playbook on how to beat it. And we see them come to the, against this Rams defense. And they're using a lot of runs, a lot of heavy personnel. And, you know, they're perfectly fine dinking and dunking the ball down the field, you know, being patient. Because when you get overly aggressive and you try to push the ball down the field when there's not really a play there, the the defense, the defense is able to force turnovers and, uh, you know, really punish you in that regard. And, you know, some of their signings that they've made haven't really been all that great. Sebastian Joseph Day, he, I mean, he was a seventh round, sixth or seventh round pick with the Rams. Uh, only played was a starter for like his last season, right? Uh, for the most part, really got outplayed by Greg Gaines down the stretch last year. And you know, you, then you have a big splash signing with J.C. Jackson, and he was benched halfway through the year, and he's been hurt also. But uh, that looks like a, that signing has aged really poorly so far this year. And you know, Joey Bosa, Cleo Mack, they really haven't been on the field a lot together, as you mentioned. So. 
Uh, I just think that the playbook on how to beat this defense is a lot more, it's not written, but we have 10 out of 12 chapters done just because it's been the primary defense in the NFL the last three years. And yeah, I think you have to also question his offensive coordinator hire too, but that's a different story. And I think when you have a defensive head coach, whenever you have a one good year, some teams are going to poach away your offensive coordinator working with your quarterback. And that just really sets you up for volatility each year. So as soon as a good season, they're going to hire him as a head coach. He's going to go away. And that just, you have to start the whole process over and over again. I just, I would never hire a defensive coach in this modern NFL. It's interesting um, uh, to think about that. You know, uh, if we go down with which teams have defensive coaches and which one, you know, Pete Carroll being a defensive coach, Bill Belichick being a defensive coach, but these are, these guys have long histories and, and they weren't just hired. So it is definitely a different situation there um, for those guys as compared to Brandon Staley. And yeah, I'm trying to just uh, go through here. I'm doing a poor job of it, but. Uh, well, like, can I make this, a point real quick? I think yes, if you think about please. Dan Quinn with the Falcons and he had Kyle Shanahan and they went to the Super Bowl and it was Matt Ryan's best career year. And then, you know, Kyle Shanahan gets hired by the 49ers and that dynasty really fell apart quick. And I don't think Dan Quinn's a bad coach. I just think that uh, that offensive coordinator hire was so important to his success. And you can only if your experience is only on one side of the ball and you lose the person you lean on the on the other side of the ball. Uh, it's just really unfortunate and it's really hard to overcome. But, you know, Dan Quinn's being really successful in Dallas and elevating the personal that they have there. So I don't think he's a bad coach. I just think it's more of uh, that's the volatility that you're going to get whenever you have a defensive uh, minded person at the top of your team. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's first of all, I think like a lot of the coaches these days are. Um, just offensive. So there aren't, there's way more examples of those that could become successful, such as a Mike McDaniel, you know, uh, but then there's also Josh McDaniels and, and there's also, uh, Frank Reich, you know, getting fired and there's also, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. And so, yeah, the, but there's that. And then some of the guys that are successful are going to be Robert Sala or, uh, Mike Rabel, you know, um, so I, I do think that you could potentially, um, because for me, the head coach, it's not so much about offense or defense. It's like, how do you manage all of your staff? How do you manage them so that they can coach the players well? And Sean McVay, I think, is a very good manager. And a lot of people would say uh, maybe not the best coach on game days or whatever. So, uh, I mean, where do you fall sort of with Sean McVay and, and the job that he did this year as how he needs to be a better coach next year? Yeah, that's a good point too. And uh, I just think whenever you can marry a head coach and a quarterback together and let them develop a turn, a plan long-term, that's really the mold you have to go after. But uh, I mean, Sean McVay, I think from the very beginning, you knew this offensive line was going to struggle and Matthew Stafford wasn't going to have much time, but what was the quick game? They never really developed that, and you, you can't pivot and to this this running game because the offensive line was so bad, wasn't opening running lanes, but I, maybe it's not a strong suit Matthew Stafford to lean on this quick passing attack, the short game, uh, or maybe I'd, we just haven't seen it out of Sean McVay in his five to six years as the Rams head coach either, so he really relies, relies on the play action and this medium to deep passing game, you know, ripping off explosive chunk plays, and 
when the, every defense in the NFL is tailored to taking away those chunk plays, it really makes life difficult on you. And we've seen them not be able to adjust at times to living without those. And I think that's a big concern moving forward, but uh, he's just always seems to find a way to continue to rip off those explosive plays in the face of, you know, defenses trying to take him away. So we're just going to see the next iteration, I believe, and he's the right guy to do it. Let me ask what you're looking forward to in each game this season. So starting with this weekend against the Seahawks, what are you looking forward to in Rams Seahawks for the first meeting here in week 13? Yeah, well, the Seahawks are in danger mode. They're trying to fight to get into the playoffs. So the Rams have a winning streak over them. I think you just got to keep it going. And even though you have a, a bum ankle and you're lip, limping down the street, uh, don't let them see the signs of weakness and you got to keep them in their spot. And I think, I hope that's what the Rams do this weekend. You're also uh, going to be here uh, at the SoFi Stadium for the game. So you've got a personal investment here. So you've got the Raiders on Thursday. Uh, so that's a quick turnaround. And both games at SoFi Stadium, um, Raiders not having a good season, but I think have proven they can they can hang with probably most teams in the NFL and then just find ways to lose. Uh, but what are you looking forward to there? Well, I think in the Raiders – with the Raiders, you're seeing a team is kind of figuring it out. And Derek Carr's playing this new offensive scheme. But really, that those edge rushers and their star players are coming alive with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. Got to protect your quarterback, whoever that is at that point. Maybe you inject Matt. It seems weird that you would not play Matthew Stafford against Seattle and then inject him into the game on a short week. So it's probably going to be Bryce Perkins or Case Cookus or John Wolford. Who knows? But uh, I want to see how this offensive line holds up against you know these edge rushers. Rob Havenstein has been the most reliable person. He's going to be seeing a lot of Max Crosby in that game. But also, uh, you know, we know there's a contingent of Raiders fans in Los Angeles. What does SoFi Stadium look like under the primetime lights? Can the home team have a good showing? Uh, it's going to be interesting. I bet it's going to be a pretty raucous atmosphere that game. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, seeing the Raiders fans come out for this one, it could be um a little ridiculous on television we'll see how it turns out uh monday night football you know the rams get an 11 game 11 day turnaround here for the raiders to lambeau field and green bay and you know i've been thinking today jb this has got to be heading towards aaron Rodgers saying at the end of the year i think my time in green bay has run its course what are you looking forward to in that game yeah that's fair and Maybe, you know, Christian Watson is a receiver that's really come on late for the Packers. Uh, is it time to give Robert Rochelle some playing time? And, you know, he's they're both really big-bodied players. Can he match up against someone like Watson and match his physicality? I think that would be interesting in how you uh, play these younger players in the secondary, knowing that David Long Jr., Nick Scott, Taylor Rapp have expiring contracts. Who's going to be the next generation of players in the secondary? Yeah, and uh, another team that's struggling, um, one that, you know, maybe could have had uh, Aaron Rodgers or maybe wanted Aaron Rodgers or maybe thought they were going to get Aaron Rodgers when they hired Nathaniel Hackett at the Denver Broncos. And now Nathaniel Hackett uh, could be the guy who gets um, blamed for Denver's extreme struggles because it's not going to be Russell Wilson, certainly. So um, with the Broncos, you know, the Rams already played a team that had just fired its head coach with the Carolina Panthers. Do you think that Nathaniel Hackett, maybe this could be his last game here with the Broncos when the, when the Rams face them? 
it's very possible. I don't know that they'll make a change midseason. At, at this point, you might as well see it through. But we must have been pretty naughty this year because Santa's bringing us a lump of coal on Christmas Day. Uh, what a game. Two teams that have zero offense working in their favor. It's going to be a little hard on the eyes, I think, whenever the Rams take on the Broncos in primetime. Yeah, stunning to think. I mean, when they put that game on the schedule, they thought, oh, my God, look at what we've got here. And the Rams, I don't I'm there. This week 17 game must be flexed. Right. So that was Sunday night football. That's not going to happen. Um well, I, I don't know because the you know the NFL loves to sell SoFi Stadium. So who knows? January first, LA Chargers is supposed to be Sunday night football, but then you've got Thursday night football, Monday night football, Christmas Day, and Sunday night football for one of the worst offenses in the NFL. I mean, it's and then you've got the other worst offense in the NFL with the Broncos. So yeah, really ridiculous uh, kind of situation. And the Broncos have the number one defense. So I don't know what the Rams are going to do that day. Uh, what do you look, you know, we talked about Chargers, so let's forget about that one. Uh, week 18, you know, what are you looking forward to? Maybe when the when it's like week 18, you know, we're in the week 18 grip of like everything, throw everything at the kitchen sink. Yeah, I mean, you could have a chance to play spoiler against the Seahawks, right? Uh, who knows who will even be on the field. You're probably looking at someone like Michael Hoyt and Daniel Hardy at edge rusher, Russ Yeast and Quentin Lake in the secondary. It's going to be a who's who of, and you're going to have to study the depth chart before the Rams even play, just so you know who everyone is and know their jersey number and everything. So uh, by the time we get to that point, you're probably not going to see Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford. Uh, but hopefully this team builds some momentum going into 2023. I don't want to be too negative, but I have a chance. I have a feeling it's going to be pretty you know, ugly out there. Yeah, it's um, just not what any of us had expected. I mean, we say that about stuff all the time, every year. But, I mean, truly, I, I, I was just – I just cannot imagine, fathom how the Rams got to this point um, so soon. You know, we all thought maybe this was going to happen in the future. But for it to happen so soon, and, and it's like you can't just say it's because of the injuries that happened, you know – just recently kind of, you know, the, the Rams were so bad uh, to, to open the year as well. So those were a lot of guys that the Rams expected to have. And, you know, that's why I think beat the Seahawks, try and just sort of get a little bit more um, enthusiasm going because, you know, so much of what made the Rams successful under Sean McVay was the people wanted to play for the Rams. So, you know, what are the Rams going to do to make sure that people want to play for the Rams next year um, and enticing people to Los Angeles, you know? So uh, that's sort of uh, what we're looking forward to here in the last six games. Um, To join us in those moments, please uh, subscribe to Turf Show Times, the podcast and your podcast apps, and go to turfshowtimes.com for more coming up and so this weekend it'll be last minute thoughts with jb and blaine and so looking forward to that and that's it for this episode of the turf show times podcast come back on saturday for last minute thoughts